the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. And I'm your host, Rhody Fisher, and we're coming to you from California. But anyhow, I was born and raised in Hawaii, and I grew up in a Christian home to parents who made a serious decision for Christ, a deep commitment for the Lord in their early teens. My mother told me that when she was 13 years old, she was asked to become the head of a youth group. And it doesn't surprise me because my mother had five children and she ran a tight ship and she got it all done very quickly, plus um, way more stuff. So I'm not surprised. Um, But later, still in her teens, like her late teens, she was asked to help um, the secretary um, and treasurer of the church um, because, you know, the church was growing and they needed help. So later, when the secretary passed away, and I think she was in her early 20s, they gave her the job. So um, I say all of that to say that, I mean, we really grew up in the church. We slept at the church. We um, waited for our parents, like laid on the pews, waiting for your parents to get through with their ministry things. My father was in, you know, ministry there. Um, So were my mom doing everything that they could do. And as children, we all knew that church was a huge part of our lives. Um, Sunday was an enormously long day for me and the rest of the siblings. We never left church early and we never not went to church. I said to my mom, Hey, you know, half my friends don't even go to church. Can't we just kick back like one Sunday a month or something? No. Um, we had to go every Sunday. Punishment in our in our house for me, which seemed like I was punished a lot, was writing a hundred times never to do whatever I did wrong. Um, we I used to have this little pink desk, and I shared that desk with my sister. And I wasn't doing homework there, I, although I did. I was constantly writing about what I was not going to do ever again. Um, as I got older, I really began to resent 
the church. Let me just say the church stuff. I love the people. I had a lot of cousins and friends at the church, but I wanted to hang out with my other friends too um, and not just do stuff at the church all the time. I used to wonder um, when I was going to get a break from the church. And I remember in 1966, so I would have been um, a senior in high school. I came home with this magazine, a Time magazine, that said right across the front cover, God is dead. And I said, see, Mom, see, Dad. Even Time Magazine knows God is dead. What are we doing at church? Well, back to my room, right? To write a hundred times. I will not say that again. Um, anyway, um, I found out that in our home, we could say like anything at the dinner table. We always ate together. And when I say anything, we couldn't be disrespectful or we couldn't use bad words or bad language, but we were allowed to say pretty much anything. And my mother told me later, after I got saved, that the reason she did that, or that she and my dad did that, was she was leaning on that scripture that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And she wanted to see what was in the heart of her children so that she could target her prayers for what they were really talking about. And I thought that was so cool later on. Um, and, and, um, and I think that's Luke um, 645. But I love that scripture. Um, well, in 1973, we had moved to Anaheim from living a year, over a year in San Francisco. I was married with two kids. The oldest one was five and the youngest one was three. And um, we'd been in California for almost, I would say, two years. And um, I felt the freedom for the very first time in coming over here of not having to go to church. I was like, yippee, Sundays are free. It's a free day for me. Um, as a matter of fact, I was studying. And when I say studying, I don't mean formally studying, but I had all the books on Islam and Buddhas and Hinduism. And I was inches away from becoming a Hindu. And my thinking was, here's a religion that, you know, worships three and a half million gods. Surely I'll be landing on the right one someday. So, um, again, here I was in Anaheim in 1973. I had been sick for a long time in San Francisco. I knew that there was something wrong with me. I really didn't know what it was. I had kind of aches and pains all over. Um, I was sleeping all the time. 
I felt exhausted and tired. And I would feel my neck here, and I would feel these huge lumps on the sides of my neck, under my arm, in my abdomen. And I couldn't figure out what those were. However, when we did come to Anaheim, and we knew we were coming to Anaheim for like the last three or four months as we lived in San Francisco, I kept thinking, well, I'll wait until we get to Anaheim because my brother's best friend who went to school with him at Punahou, um, Dr. Wayne Nishigaya, um, my brother Hiram, my oldest brother, he, um, he was a doctor here in Anaheim. I thought, I'll wait for him to check me out and see what's going on with me. Um, so we moved down here, um, and I, of course, went to the doctor, and they ran all these tests. First, they thought I had leukemia, but the blood sh tests showed that I didn't. And then they decided to biopsy my lymph glands that were popping out of my neck and my arms, and my under my arms. and um, They quickly found out that I had Hodgkin's disease in the third or fourth stage. And I thought, wow, this is impossible. I'm 23, 24. What's going on? I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I was a non-meat eater for a while. What? How did I get this cancer? This is impossible. And um, the doctors were quickly scheduling me for chemo and radiation and all the things that they had to do to get me well. Um, not well that they're going to send me home and I'll be, you know, fine, but well to maybe eke out one or two more months because they knew that what I had was terminal. They were just trying to give me a little more time. And um, I remember being at West Anaheim Hospital and um, it was, I was going to have my third surgery and I was laying in bed, um, again, exhausted and wondering who is going to take care of these two tykes that I have at home. And I remember thinking, you know, it would be so nice if Walt could get a nanny that maybe loved my kids as much as I did. Or maybe even marry somebody that could love my kids like I did. So as I laid there that night before the surgery, I prayed for the first time. Because, you know, growing up in a church, you memorize all the things, you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In English and Hawaiian. You know. The Lord's Prayer, again, in English and Hawaiian. And so we were like really, we had that down. But I never really prayed for myself or anyone that I can remember prior to that night in the hospital where I really thought that I was going to be praying to, you know, Jesus or the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit or, and that. 
they would hear it. I, I actually thought the stories that I heard in the Bible were really just fables. And um, anyhow, I sat there or I laid there thinking of how I was going to word this prayer to this God of the universe. And I remember saying, God, the one that created the heavens and the earth, that God, find someone to take care of my kids. Because I knew I was dying. There was just no doubt about it. I felt sick. I looked sick. The report said I was dying. Just find someone to take care of my kids. I did not believe one word about any kind of healing that I read about in the Bible. To me, that was, you know, not going to happen. And as soon as I said that prayer, I felt like somebody came and placed the blanket on me. And since I had surgeries before, a lot of times after the surgery or before the surgery, they do put a warm blanket on you. So I was so excited to thank the nurse. And when I opened my eyes, there was nobody there. I thought, wow, that's a little on the weird side, but okay. Um, I had my surgery the next day and um, it took a little bit longer than they had anticipated. And really what they were going to do is maybe remove a few of the really cancerous lymph glands. Um, they were bothersome. They were kind of in the way. They felt, you know, like they, they were getting larger. And um, maybe not extend my life, but maybe make me more comfortable. Um, or maybe extend my life a month or a couple of weeks. Well, the doctor, um, when I woke up, was standing in my room. And like I said, he was a friend. And I and he had tears in his eyes and he was crying. And I thought, whoa, I guess I'm worse off than I thought I was. And he said, Brody, I don't know what to tell you. But if I were a man of the cloth, I would say there was a miracle here. But I'm not a man of the cloth. No, I'm a man of science. And what I tell you right now is I don't really know. And I thought, okay, so I've been healed. He said, well, we're not calling it that. We're going to keep checking you, you know, every three months, every six months, maybe every year. And, you know, after you pass the seven-year mark, um, we'll maybe call it that you're out of remission. Or, um, And I thought, no kidding, I'm healed? Really? That's what he's saying, but he doesn't want to say it. Well, I went home, and I thought, since this God, the one that created the heavens and the earth, healed me, I said, God, the God, the heavens and the earth, lead me to your book. Because I had them all, except for the Bible. I didn't think I brought it with me. And the Lord reminded me that I had given my Bible to the kids. And in my Bible at the time that I got when I was 13, about every so many pages, there was a um, black and white picture on both sides of that page. And I gave it 
my Bible to the kids, and I, because at the time it had no value to me. And I gave it to the kids, and I said, okay, you guys can color these black and white pictures in here. And literally, if they tore out a page, it was okay with me. And so when the Lord said to, you know, to read the Bible, I thought, no way. And again, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just that still small voice. And I went to look in the kids' room. And sure enough, on the bookshelf, they had that Bible. And sure enough, some of the pages that they had colored were torn out, but the words were still there. So I read the book from cover to cover, staying up all night, every night. And you know what? It was the first time for me, even though I had memorized stuff in the Bible, I kept looking at those words and they were just jumping off page and I kept thinking, wait a minute. No, this was in here. And it was though I read it for the first time and I was just devouring it. I whipped through that Bible in two and a half weeks. I'm not kidding. I raced through it. I devoured it. And it was like it really meant something for the first time. And um I was getting very little sleep, just up all night, getting the kids ready for school and back to the Bible. Well, as soon as I was done reading the Bible, I um, I thought, well, I'd better look for a church. So I um, walked out the door and I saw this lady watering plants and I said, Hi, you know, my name is Rhody. Um, and she said, my name is Jeannie Moras. And I said, Jeannie, um, do you know a good church around here? She said, funny, you should ask. My husband's a pastor. So we went to a Bible study that day at, um, at Melody Land. And I remember sitting at the edge of my seat, waiting for an altar call. And I'm not kidding. When he gave that altar call, he could, he just started it and I raced down. Um, I don't even know what the sermon was and gave my heart to the Lord. Um, I know that sounds like a huge miracle to swallow. It was for me too. But I do believe that we serve a God of miracles. Not every day. I'm sure every day there's a miracle going on. Um, you know, birds are feeding themselves. Um, they're flying in the air. I mean, we're taking a breath. All of those are miracles. But I'm talking about the kind of miracle that happened to me um, in 1973. I know that God is not a respecter of persons. And if you seek him, you will find him even if you don't know what to call him. He will reveal himself to you. I really, really want to end this with um, a prayer, but I want to talk to people that have never, ever, ever asked Jesus into the heart. They may not even know 
if they believe in a God. For a while there, I didn't either. And maybe they do believe in a God, but they don't know what to call him. I want you to challenge God and ask him today to reveal himself to you. And if you're ready right now to accept Jesus into your heart for the very first time, I would just love to lead you in prayer. So today, um, Father, I pray that you would um, help our unbelief, Lord. Help those out there that might be listening that have never said a prayer. Lord, reveal yourself to them. Remove the scales from their eyes. And Lord, give them the words to speak to you. So today, if you would like to accept the Lord, I'd like to lead you in a little prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's just giving your heart to the Lord. And you can say it in your own words if you want to, but I can help you with some words. And it can go like this. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins that I might wash clean. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Lord, today help me to walk daily with you like I've heard you walking, Brody. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Just that simple prayer, God will honor that. God has made a covenant with you just by you inviting him and recognizing Jesus is the way, the only way, the only truth, the only life. And he will never leave you or forsake you. You may have a bumpy road. It's not going to be all roses. But he will love you through it. Just like he did for us. So, um, I don't know. I almost feel like I have to sing. I, I, I've got two minutes, almost three. Surely I can think of something. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh my gosh, Sean, that was an oldie. But a goodie. I haven't heard that in a while. I know. I know. I could have sung something more relevant for today. But that is. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. I just want to remind you, I will be on the air, Lord willing, every Wednesday from 11 o'clock to 12. You will find me here unless the Lord changes things up, which he often does with me. 
Um, and I also want to give a big, big shout out to Clint Gonzalez, my best new friend now. Um, when he heard that we were going to do this from his uncle. Now I've known his uncle for 25 years, 27 years. And he happens to be my insurance agent and our, our assistant pastor um, when I was going to Cal- Calvary Fullerton. And um, he said, let me call my nephew Clint. He used to write secular songs, but he was told by the Lord to write Christian songs only. Maybe he'll have a song for you. So Clint, busy as a beaver, went to work in less than 13 days and got the job done. So we're going to leave with his song and not my voice. But um, so um, his song is called Hope. Um, I forgot the name of the song. Oh, my gosh. Hope. Um, like the only hope that we have in Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with that. And goodbye. And I'll see you next week. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H Fisher at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.